irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Oh, hey, Taylor. How are you? Hey, hey, hey. Hello, Taylor. Hey, Keith. Hi. How this are you is... doing? Hey, Alan. How are you? Alan Lee's the trusty sidekick. Beautiful. Yeah. So is this your first Zoom interview? No. Uh, I don't know. I guess it is. All right, man. I've done a lot of phone interviews, but uh, so, so are you going to record it and then play the whole thing? How, how's this going to work? I think it's recording now. It's Zoom. Yeah, I know th- that, that's what it says. But I mean, when you, when you do your podcast, do you show the video or just the vocal? Uh, no, we, we could show the video if you want. I, I just upload it on vocal. No, I just, no, I just didn't know what your normal plan was. No, usually we go in the studio and we do Facebook Live, but we don't promote the, the video. That we're, not on, we're not on, on, on air now. We, yeah. Right. yeah. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, I don't know if you could tell, but we're not really good-looking dudes. <laughs> you guys look great to me, man. <laughs> so, Both of you. Yeah, so I, I want to record this on a tape recorder just in case it, it uh, doesn't, like, I don't know. I'm not very technology savvy. I'm not either. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so I got to record it on the tape recorder, too. So Taylor Nichols, how are you, pal? I'm good, you guys. It's good to be with y'all. Yeah, I, I don't mean to like. Uh, I don't like to go fanboyish, but Mind of a Married Man is one of my favorite TV shows. You know, uh, very fun TV show. Uh, we really had had a lot of fun doing it. It was ahead of its time. Yeah, um, and you know what? You know what's also really interesting about that show? It was an HBO show. It was a half hour, uh, one camera, which now is very common. But at the time, in 2000, 2001, 2003, it was not very common to do a half-hour uh, uh, comedy. Um, but also, the very first day the show aired was Tuesday, September 11th, 2001. Wow. Ouch. Yeah. Do you think like, because that was one question I actually had for you, because I was going to say, do you think Mind of the Merry Man was uh, – ahead of its time because sex it was basically like the boy version of sex in the city yeah you know um, i do think it was ahead of its time i i also think right after 9-11 no one wants to see a show about a guy who wants to cheat on his beautiful wife yeah I mean, uh it just it just we were looking for more serious things mike binder the creator of the show uh is really talented and really funny and a, a really hard worker uh, but sophomoric in his sense of humor. And that just didn't play well right right at that time, I don't think. You want to you hear a this – this might actually freak you out a little, but I have this superpower called Asperger's syndrome. Uh-huh. And uh, you want to you hear a crazy fact that connects you with Mike Binder? What? Okay. Uh, you – Mike Binder did a movie called Minority Report, and you guest starred on Minority Report. Right, 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 right. Very good, yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. <laughs> Mike was great in that movie, too. Yeah. Yeah. 
You know, so, I, I, I got to tell you, Keith, I, I love how you put it. Uh, you've got this superhero thing, Asperger's, um, because I deal with an issue also. Um, I'm, a, I'm a stutterer and uh, uh, always have and from as long as I can remember. And it was a real problem when I was young in high school and college and things like that. And I think most people would look at that and say, well, you can't be an actor. You know, yeah. you, you stutter. And it took a lot of time and a few important relationships for me to understand that that, that my stutter is actually a gift in a bizarre way that I wouldn't call it super, superhero stuff. But uh, it does make me unique and special. Does of course, it? I'm special anyways, right? That's what, what my mom would say. Yeah, right. my mom said that too. Uh, <laughs> that, that I'm special? Yeah, she said that too, yeah. <laughs> but um, how, how is that? Because like with autism going on auditions, and I actually, I don't know if you know this, but I specialize in stand-up comedy. I'm oh, no, I didn't know that, yeah. Yeah, I'm a stand-up comic. Acting, I do, I'm not like in anything, but I guess you could say I do acting, but uh, it's hard for me to go on auditions because I could talk to like two or three people at a time, but like several people, I'm all like, uh, yeah. You know? So yeah. how was that with you, with your stuttering? Like, was it, was auditions hard getting past yeah. that? Yeah. Um, I used to, when I first got an audition, the first thing I would look for is, are there words that I think I will have trouble speaking? Uh -huh. Are there sounds or words or a combination of sounds and words that I might stutter on? Uh, I no longer you know, look at that as the first thing, but I'm still aware of it. If there's, uh, um, um, certain words are difficult. I'm gonna stutter right now. <laughs> um, cor corroboration. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I, I, luckily I don't have to say it very often, but if I have to corroborate uh, a story of a crime, you know, I get nervous and anxiety ridden about having to say that. And, you know, that's the opposite of what the character would do. Right. So that's a really interesting dynamic for the actor to have to deal with mm -hmm. is how do they stay in character mm -hmm. and still deal with that? And um, it, it, it's, it's taken me a long time to kind of figure it out and to work with it and to make it my own. There's no reason that the, that the coroner can't stutter a little bit, or there's no reason that the detective can't, or the father, or the brother, or the, you know, accused of the crime, or whatever role I'm playing, can't also not have perfectly fluent speech. Yeah. Sometimes, like, uh, like when I get like sides to read for an audition and I don't know what the word means and I don't know how to say the word, I'll just say it really fast like I know what it is. I remember. <laughs> method, the method acting. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll be like, we got to get John off the airplane. We got to get him off the airplane. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think the industry is more open to the uniqueness of different actors. Um, you know, certainly in the LGBTQ community and in minorities, you know, taking a, a, a bigger role on the small and big screen. And, and I, so I, I think it's really wonderful. I, I, you know, acting and storytelling and movies and TV 
are really supposed to be mirrors onto society. I mean, isn't that what Hamlet says? You know, uh, as uh, how, how does the speech go? Um, to hold up as to a mirror, you know, uh, in his speak the speech uh, that he does, where he talks about acting. He yeah. says, what we're really doing is just holding a mirror up to ourselves. And the more we are inclusive of all of the people that we see, the better the stories are. Uh, a question I had is how has the business changed from like the nineties to now? Cause like, we don't get paid as much full stop. We don't get paid as much. Really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm teasing, but I'm also dead serious. We don't, yeah. we don't get paid as much. And, uh, that's a problem. Um, you know, I'm a middle-class actor. Uh, it's one thing for Brad Pitt to make 18 million rather than 20 million or, you know, 1 million rather than 3 million. Uh, but it's another thing for a, a, a guy with a couple of kids in, in college and, you know, a mortgage and, uh, and a career as an actor to all of a sudden be working for really, you know, a third of what we used to get. Um, yeah. Maybe we were overpaid in the 90s or maybe the corporatization of the industry has just made actors a less in, actors, not movie stars, a less important part of the puzzle. Yeah. I, don't, I don't mean to like use my Asperger talent again on you, but I think this would really impress you. Do you wanna know how you and Brad Pitt are connected? Yes, I do. Oh, okay. So you started in Mind the Married Man with my favorite actor ever. I mean, I love you, but uh, Jake Weber. Sure. And Jake Weber starred in Meet Joe Black with Brad Pitt. Right, very good. <laughs> so that, that means my, my six degrees of separation is down That's to what, two? <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, I mean, it was just right when you said Brad Pitt. I was like, oh, huh. yeah, yeah. So what's it like working with Jake Weber, man? Oh, Jake's great. You know, it's funny. I haven't seen Jake in a, in a few years, uh, uh, but Jake is great. I, I loved his work on Medium. Uh, oh, my God, yeah. Also, and, uh, you know, he's just a very natural presence. Yeah. yeah. I actually have been uh, trying to get him on the show. I've been, like, doing, like, emails and stuff. And from he's very nice, but he's very private. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he doesn't like talking and all that stuff. So I invited him to a show and he said he would go and then Corona happened. I was like, ah. Oh. It's screwing up everything, isn't it? Yeah. Messed up my chances to get Jake Weber to fall in love with me. Right, there you go. <laughs> but uh, Bobby Slayton was on My and the Merry Man and I opened up for Bobby. Oh, do you really? Yeah. I, I actually saw Bobby recently at one of the canyons here. Uh, and I still think about some of his, his comedy bits. Yeah. Uh, He's a funny guy. One of the great things about working on Mind of the Married Man was a lot of comedians came through the door. Uh, yeah. Kevin Pollack was on the show and, and, and some other really wonderful comedians. But even ones, uh, um, Miller, um, come on, what's his name, Miller? Dennis Miller? No. Jim Miller? No. Mike kind of Miller? That nah, doesn't matter. I'll, I'll think of it in a minute. But, uh, uh, but even ones who weren't on the show, came to the set and hung out with Mike and met everybody. And, yeah. and so it was really a, a, a fun, in, invigorating uh, show to be on. How many episodes did Mike write? Because I know Rich Scheider wrote a couple. Mike wrote most of them. 
I think even, even the ones that, that Rich wrote, because I liked Rich a lot, um, I, I wrote a script for the show that, that, uh, that never got produced um, because the show got canceled, I think, a, a season or two too early. But uh, Mike, Mike had his hand in everything. He, he, uh, uh, other, other people may have written the bones of the scripts, but Mike, Mike got in there and, and worked his own magic on it, as well as with directors, too. We had a lot of, a lot of really wonderful directors, Bruce Paltrow and uh, uh, Bob Saget directed, and yeah. um, just a lot of great people, fun to be with. You know, it's really interesting. Um, when we did that show, we were never satisfied with the work we had done. We always were like, let's do one more take. Let's do one more take. We can add this. We can do this. We can make it funnier. Try this line. Try that line. Um, so it was just a, a, a constant on the set of trying to raise the work higher, you know, and funnier and all that. And uh, once the show ended, I went and, and got a guest job on, a, on another show. And the attitude was so completely different. It was like, are we done yet? Can we go home now? Yeah. Don't you have what you need? And it was such a disappointment um, to come from this really energetic, you know, I don't know, you know, uh, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on words, right. work environment to a very kind of tired, you know, uh, environment where people just wanted to cash their checks and, and go home. Now, you were the star of a couple movies and the, like, the top billed star on Walt Whitman movies in the early 90s. Whit, Whit Stillman. Whitson, yeah. Whit, and, Whit and, Stillman. Yeah. And then you did uh, supporting character roles in the 90s and then a star in Mind the Married Man. Like, how, how did that vibe go from star to supporting? Like, did that throw um, you off at all? You know, that's a great question, Keith. I've never been asked that before. Um, it's interesting. I, I believe the work is the work, right. you know, and you do the best work you can as number one on the call sheet, as you do as number 15 on the call sheet. I just finished shooting uh, Perry Mason, and I was number 15 on the call sheet. Um, the work is the same yeah. and good directors and good producers treat everyone the same. Um, and they certainly did it on Perry Mason. Matthew Reese was number one on the call sheet and he treated everybody like they were number one with him on the call sheet. Um, Tetiana Maslany on uh, the same, you know, uh, um, but not all shows do that. Right. And not all directors and producers and not all number ones on the call sheet do that yeah and then it is a little different um i'm there when i'm doing a supporting role i'm there not only to do my work but ultimately to support the number one two three storyline um and sometimes you don't get the support back. i'm sorry the support back the, the support back and the respect and that that eats away at you a little bit yeah uh and maybe that's silly or maybe that's because i've i've been number one to you know a, a bunch of times on projects and i know how it is and i like to feel like when i'm in the main role 
I want everyone else to be absolutely as great as they can be because I understand that they actually make me better when they're great. Yeah. Um, and that's a lesson I learned from James Garner. I don't know if, you, if, if your audience is old or young, they may not remember James Garner, but you know, he was Hollywood royalty in the 50s and 60s and stuff, and then went on to be um, TV royalty on uh, Rockford Files and, mm-hmm. and things like that. But I did, my, my first TV job was with him. I was a series regular on a show called uh, uh, Man of the People with, um, it was a great cast, George Weiner, uh, Kate Mulgrew. It was one um, season. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was only one, one season, correct. Yeah. Which is really too bad because it was a very funny show. But the lesson I learned from Garner was you want everybody else to shine because when everyone else shines, it makes the star even brighter. Yeah. And uh, he, he, was, he was a real gem. Mm-hmm. Um, when you were in a, because I actually watched this the other day, I watched The American President. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, man, you just yeah. gave Richard Dreyfus like, <laughs> the, the bad news about the president's girlfriend. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, uh, I don't know. Like, your scene was only maybe a minute, but you were the, you were the bad guy in the whole thing. Yeah, right. You know, that, that's an interesting story. Um, I, I had just done Barcelona, which was also a Castle Rock project. And Rob Reiner... Uh, invited me in for a little meeting to talk about um, American president. And he said, well, which role, you know, would you want to do? And I said, uh, the uh, Michael Keaton role, <laughs> not Michael Keaton. Um, Michael J. Fox. Yeah, Michael, Michael J. Fox role. That would have been a great yeah. role for you. Yeah, he said, yeah, that's already cast with, you know, Michael J. Fox. And I, I you know, of course, laughed and understood. Uh, but there were two other roles. Uh, that were right for me, this Stu, uh, Richard Dreyfuss's aide, who was the bad guy, and the role that Josh Molina played. I don't know if you remember Josh, Josh Molina, really wonderful actor. Um, and that was a role that was really suited to me, I thought. And I chose the other one. I chose Stu, the, uh, the bad guy, because I'd always played good guys. Right. And I wanted to try my hand at, you know, kind of a bad guy. And... Uh, so I'm glad that, that, that you look back at that and, and, and see that because ultimately I think it was a mistake. I think I should have taken the other role. Uh, not only did it work more days and pay more um, and have more, more screen time, uh, it was a better fit for me. Right. And I think early in your career, you have to nail down who you are on camera. Right. And then branch out. And play the pervert, the bad guy, the killer, the, you know, whatever. Well, you got to think about, like, I think as an actor choice, that was actually a smart move because that move was the whole plot of the second act. Right, right. So, you know what I mean? So, like, you can't watch it without being like, oh, yeah, well, I set that up. You know what I mean? Oh, well, you're right. You're right. So, um, another question is, uh, I don't know if this is true, but this is just what I heard through the grapevine. So I was wondering if you could like clear it out. I'm a huge Breaking Bad fan, and I know Alan is. And there's a rumor that you auditioned for it. Mm. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I, I auditioned for Brian Cranston's role. Oh um, God! And uh, uh, but you know that's common on a on a show like that. The casting director of that series 
is Sharon Bialy or was Sharon Bialy and Sherry Thomas, uh, Bialy Thomas Casting. And they are really one of the best casting uh, companies in, in, in town because they really like actors right. um, and they really support actors. And um, so it's common that, that Sharon, I think Sharon cast that, not Sherry, but um, it's common that Sharon would bring in and show Vince, you know, a lot of different choices uh, for that main role. And, and I can remember reading for it and meeting Vince and, 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 and really being pleased with my work and, and with the feedback I got uh, and, and remember being disappointed I didn't get it. But uh, then when you see Brian in the role, you go, oh, well, of course. Yeah. You know, Brian's just so wonderful in the role. And uh, I think I would have been good and unique, but I wouldn't have been Brian. And, and you know, Brian is just wonderful. And, uh, you know, so Vince picked what he thought was right. And I think he was right. Yeah. But, do, but when you see it, do you ever just like think in the back of your head, like, you should have picked me? <laughs> I can watch it. <laughs> never watched it. <laughs> not, not that I'm petty and bitter. <laughs> I'm not. I'm teasing. Uh, but did you use that style? Because uh, I, I, the name of the movie is blanking on me, but this was, you were a lead in this movie. It was maybe three or four years ago, and it was a horror movie about uh, this girl who moved in to an apartment. Oh, one, one BR. Yeah. Like, did you use that style? Because it seemed like it's a dark character, too. Yeah, it was a dark character. Um, you know, as I've gotten older, I've, I've played a lot of darker characters. You know, there, there is definitely stereotyping. Um, and I think we're starting to break out of that, but, uh, but I've been stereotyped a little bit lately in, in playing, you know, sleazy guys and bad guys and, you know, stuff like that, uh, which is fun. I really enjoy doing it. Um, but no, I didn't, I didn't base uh, that character's name was Jerry. And that was a, uh, horror film, you know, not not really a horror film, but more of a psychological thriller yeah. uh, by a director named David Marmer, who was great. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I read the script and I, I just kind of knew who the guy was. And uh, and I, I did not think about Breaking Bad or anything like that in, in doing that movie, no. Alan, you got a question for Taylor? Oh, I was going to uh, wait on this one, but uh, with the uh, CGI and the uh, uh, the green screen, green screen system, you know, where you're, and this is amazing because I'm going back to acting, but I, I love this because obviously you don't have to shoot a scene in the Sahara Desert. You can just do it with the green screen. And uh, when I saw those shots of actors, I think it was uh, 100 Spartans, and he, he's just on a, on a stepladder. Right. He's like this and, you know, he's climbing up to the side of a mountain. Uh, you know, you know, these classes, oh, you know, use your imagination and, and see, you know, and so we're on the set. I don't have to see the, you know, the coffee cup. Right. But now you know, you've got a Scott Almighty, that, that, that mountain, you know, and uh, do you find it that everyone is, is like honed sort of, you know, up on their craft or up on their level of using their skills of imagination now? Uh, I mean, there's, it's always there. I'm not saying that they, you know, they throw it up because of CJ, but do you find that people are like, you know, really using, digging deep in their skills of, uh, of imagining a set that's not there. Are you, are you talking now in the pandemic, you mean, or, or oh, uh, no. just in general? Maybe so. No, just in general. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. 
you know, I, I, I teach acting. And okay. um, one of the things I teach is that acting has kind of four cornerstones, relaxation, mm -hmm. concentration, imagination, imagination, and preparation. Yeah. And I always talk about the e imagination aspect of the work. Um, and I, that's what I really encourage students and myself mm -hmm. to really get into. Mm -hmm. um, because you know Meryl Streep has a fabulous imagination. Sure. You know that Michael B. Jordan has a fabulous imagination. You, you see it in their work, whether they're doing a green screen of climbing a mountain or whether they're pointing a gun at somebody sure. or whether they're saying, I, I love you. Mm -hmm. or I have to ask you for a divorce or whoever, you know, whatever the line is. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I'm working on tapping into my imagination more. And that's certainly what I teach students. Mm -hmm. And I think good actors just do it. Yeah. You know, acting is ultimately living truthfully under imaginary circumstances. Mm -hmm. And whether it's a green screen of a mountain mm -hmm. or like I said earlier, breaking up with your wife of 20 years on camera, you know, for a story, you, you have to use your imagination because we can't live everything and we don't want to live everything. And um, so I don't know if I answered your question. Oh, I, I think you did. You just <laughs> got, to use, got to use what you have, but I noticed behind you, there's some nice visuals of some very, very nice art there. And you know, that's, there it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, also, here, let me, let me show you another one. Oh, oh for mistakes. Uh, <laughs> Can you see that? Yeah, yeah. I love that shot of all the women looking at the blank screen. The, oh, that's exactly what we're talking. My God. Joe, Joe, Joe DiMaggio. DiMaggio. Is that uh, Muhammad Ali? Muhammad Ali looking in the mirror. I just love the shot of Muhammad Ali looking in the mirror. <laughs> there you go. There's that imagination. Uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So that was a tour of my dining room. Well, I liked it. Thank you, sir. Now, unfortunately, the folks won't be able to see that. But right. Taylor, I have a question. Was that the longest question Alan ever asked you? <laughs> I, you got? I, I like language. I'm, I'm sick of it. I like language. Pardon me. Sure. Corroborate like that for me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, where do you teach acting at? Like, can yes. folks sign question. up? Yeah. Um. I I teach a class at uh, you. UCLA in their in their professional training program but I also have my own class uh, Taylor Nichols acting workshop and uh, you know we, we 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 have been meeting online for the past couple of months because of the pandemic but previously that we would meet in person once a week oh. and, uh, I, I, I really like to mix art and business in the class sure. and I try to kind of focus mm -hmm. how we do our work Mm -hmm. so that we can then meet the people that we need to meet and show them and all that. Because just acting in class is not enough. You have to actually put yourself out there. Mm -hmm. Now, a question that I had, uh, I mean, as an acting teacher and also as a professional actor who's, you know, done so many various roles, can you spot talent while you're teaching them? Or do you think like, or there's some people where you think, okay, they're nice people, but they're not hitting the glove, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, again, that, that, that's a great question, Keith. Um, Bob Fosse, uh, 
one of my favorite movies is All That Jazz, that one of Bob Fosse's movies. You know, he only directed like five movies before he died. Um, but he, there's a great line in that movie that apparently is attributed a to what he used to say to dancers. Bob Fosse was a very big choreographer on Broadway and a director on Broadway and then a movie director. He did um, Cabaret, Star 80, uh, uh, All That Jazz, Sweet Charity, and Lenny, the, the movie about Lenny Bruce. Lenny Bruce. Um, wow. And he had this great comment that said, you know, about dancers, uh, you know, I can't make you a great dancer, but I can make you a better dancer. And I kind of feel that is true with acting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm not saying me as a teacher, I'm saying all teachers, you know, mm -hmm. teachers can't make you great. Yeah. You got to do that on your own, mm -hmm. but teachers can make you better. Mm -hmm. And I feel that a lot about my students about, mm -hmm. you know, I can make you better. Yeah. And, you know, William Goldman has the great line, uh, you know, in this business, nobody knows anything. Yeah. And, you know, we all know the story that uh, uh, Robin Williams was kicked out of, out of Juilliard and, and all that. So I, I don't necessarily think I can look at an actor in my class and say, this person's going to be a star. This person's never going to work mm -hmm. because no one does know anything in this business, you know? Right. Um, I, I have a student in my class um, that is kind of unique and goofy. And I just think he's wonderful. Oh, well, thanks, and, Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I think when, when he finds his niche, he's going he's gonna to start working. Yeah. And, 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 and really work. Yeah. But, it's going to be hard to find his niche. That's a hard thing. And I think I can make him better so that when he does have the opportunity, he, he hits it. Cause he's not, he's not a leading man. He's not, he's not a, a six foot two strapping Hollywood actor. Yeah. You know? He's a Jake Weber. He's a Jake Weber. <laughs> I just got, got a thing saying the zoom meeting will end in 10 minutes. What does that mean? No, I, I think it means that the Zoom meeting will end in 10 minutes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's simple, literal interpretation. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we should probably wrap this up then. Uh, Taylor, do you, uh, I know you've directed stuff before, but do you have any desire to continue to doing that? Because the last thing you directed was, I don't know, 10 years ago? Yeah, well, I, I direct a lot of theater and I've been doing that. Uh, but you're right, I, I made a couple of short films. One uh, with the actor Jay Thomas. I don't know if you guys remember Jay Thomas. Really great. Uh, uh, called Two Heterosexual Men Get Ready to Go Out. One has a girlfriend. And it's a very uh, funny film. And then I made another one uh, called Last Train, um, which is almost a silent film. Um, and I do, I, I, I'm, I'm very drawn to it. Uh, uh, um, and I have a project called The Beautiful Dark written by, um, uh, it's the, the Beautiful Dark and it's a, it's a beautiful, uh, I'm just completely blanking on the writer's name and he's so great. Um, Rich Scheider. <laughs> oh yeah, Rich. Um, but 
and I've, you know, I've made a lookbook for it and, and I have great ideas for casting and it's a, it's a wonderful story. It's about a, a, a woman who's afraid her son, who's in college, uh, who's college age, is, is going to commit an, an act of violence. And it's about the love and support parents can offer their children when they're afraid they might do a school shooting. Yeah. And so I think it's a very timely film. I really love it. And I'm hoping when the pandemic eases, I can set this up and do it because I would very much like to direct it and see it made. Oh, well, if you ever need uh, two ugly dudes, we're here. Stop. Stop. <laughs> you guys are great. <laughs> Someone just puts himself into your movie on a podcast. <laughs> you got to make connections. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, but now, uh, have you ever thought about writing a play? You know, I'm not a writer. Oh, really? You know, um, I, I, I've written a few scripts with, with people and I've, I've done some writing and, it, it's, and I enjoy it. I'm just not that good at it. And yeah. uh, uh, I think other people are better. Not that I don't have good ideas about how to add to a story or this or that, but writing's really hard. And yeah. I really respect writers. And um, there are people better than me to write the story, I think. Yeah. Well, I actually wrote a script, and believe it or not, there's a part in it for you. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great. But uh, when this whole pandemic is, I'll send it to you. You might not, you might decline it, but you know, I just want oh. you to know it's yours. Well, I, I believe in, in work breeds work. I, I, I believe in actors' work. I'm a huge Buster Keaton fan, and that's what Buster Keaton always said. He always said, actors work. Yeah. But it's so. a romantic comedy. Have you ever done a, like, a romantic comedy? Like the well, I, I would say Barcelona is kind of a romantic comedy. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm trying to think of, you know, I, I know. And I should, goddammit. I'm very romantic. That's what I said. When I wrote this, I said Taylor's very romantic. Right. But uh, all right, two last questions, and then we'll we'll go because I just got a meeting saying Zoom endings in five minutes. But uh, but uh, the one question I had is uh, when you, this pandemic's over, you're on a show right now called Pen. It's it's Pen Fifteen, but I read it as Penis. Of course, yeah. Does everyone else read it like Penis too? Well, I think that's the whole point of the show. Oh, it's, okay. it's, a, it's a show about seventh grade girls and they think that's so funny when they write pen 15 and it looks like the word penis uh it's it's a hysterical show the the uh, two women who are the creators of it um have done a really nice job and and uh, it's fun to be on the woman who plays my wife melora walters is great to work with and we have a lot of fun doing it and i think i don't know when this is going to air uh your your podcast but I, um it's august now August of 2020, and uh, the the first air date for season two is is September 18th. Oh, okay. We'll definitely get this aired before that. Okay. So yeah. you know, we'll tell the folks to watch it. And uh, second, the last question I had, Alan, do you have a final question before Taylor? Before I end? No, uh, well, you know, Taylor, when you referenced when I was talking about the green screen, you said, "Do you mean the pandemic? Did you mean that that th there's more use of it?" Uh, well, I don't know that there's more use of the green screen, but there's more use of me being here acting and you being there acting. Um, meaning that, you know, we don't get to actually look in each other's eyes. I just did the reading, this reading of a really wonderful play uh, called All the Good in the World, and all the actors were in their own homes. 
acting with each other. And it kind of works. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. All right, Taylor. Well, here's my final question because we only have three minutes left. Uh, but my final question is, uh, when this pandemic's over, do you enjoy stand-up comedy? Because I would love for you to come watch me sometime. I would love to. I do enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. I would love to come watch it. All right, and, cool. Well, that's the one thing I'm scared shitless of. <laughs> Snakes and stand-up comedy. <laughs> well, we, we could get together, have lunch, and write a whole stutter bit for you. Perfect. <laughs> well, Taylor, where can the folks at home follow you and support you? Um, Taylor Nichols Acting Workshop. Uh, I'm on, uh, you know, I don't have any Instagram followers. I, I have a fair amount of Twitter followers. Taylor I follow you on Twitter and Instagram. So, um, okay. You know, I'm, I, I don't use it all that much because I try to get this goddamn thing out of my life a little bit. <laughs> I, was, I was holding up my telephone for anyone who didn't <laughs> see. Uh, so that, that's about it, I guess. All right. Well, Taylor, thanks for doing the show, man. I hope you had fun. I did. I had a lot of fun. All right, buddy. Well, have a great uh, day and stay healthy and stay safe. Perfect. Alan, thanks. Keith, thanks. I'm Taylor. I All hope right. to see you. We'll talk Me. to you later, buddy. You too. Goodbye, you guys. Bye. All right. That was Taylor Nichols, guys. And uh, subscribe, rate, review to the show. Uh, it says one minute remaining. Zoom is all weird. Uh, Taylor's waving. I think he's off. He's just left. Alan, we got one minute remaining. Thanks so much for doing the show. It was a great well, show, wasn't it? I, this was a hoot. This was a party. We went to a party. And, um, you know, I might have to hit up Taylor for uh, acting classes. Yeah. Whoa. I'm not kidding. You want to be an actor? Hit up Taylor. Oh, dude, we got to go. Okay, subscribe, rate, review. Buy my special. Uh, yes. Rate for riffs. All right. Support Taylor Nichols. Got to go. Uh, wait, hold on. Ah. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcast. Give us some feedback. Good, honest, terrible, doesn't matter. Also, follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Razor Riffs. I am also on Stereo if you would like to chat with me there, www.stereo.com slash Keith and on Cameo, www.cameo.com slash Keith If you enjoyed the show, please send us a donation on the Anchor app. We really do appreciate it, and we'll rift with you again soon.